Welcome Builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, I'd love to welcome you to the Build Your Success podcast. Hey, listen, I have a special treat for you today. I'm going to share with you one of our membership Voices for Leadership interviews. So this is our book we created last year, the Voices for Leadership series, and where we interview our authors in a membership site and you get to hear from them. We're going to hear from Brian Covey today. We interviewed him back in September about his chapter on leadership. So enjoy this sample of our membership site. Hello, it is great to have you here on the September Voices for Leadership Meet the Author Call. We're live. We've got a couple of great authors, some dynamic authors, the way I like to call these guys. We got Brian Covey and Kelvin McCree with us today. So we're going to ask them questions related to their chapters that they wrote in Voices for Leadership, Volume 1, and uh, just going to have them share with us, you know, why they wrote and what they wrote about. So we're going to get started with Brian Covey. Brian, if you will, tell everyone that's watching today or will be listening later about a little bit about yourself, some background. Yeah, so I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was fortunate. Both of my parents worked. My mom was in the city. My dad's a psychologist and actually changed careers about midway through in his late 30s. And that kind of birthed my entrepreneurial coaching journey that was um, something I saw my dad go through and almost reinvent himself. And so I share with people my background from there was sports and then moving into not being able to get a job in 2001, dealing with the financial collapse and all that. Didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was fortunate enough to find somebody that believed enough in me, gave me a chance and a shot. And that's why I kind of do what I do today is to give other people a chance and an opportunity. And I look for athletes, people that are coachable. And that leadership journey has taken me now 21 years in the mortgage and real estate space to make some wonderful connections, but also learn a ton of lessons. I've seen a lot of different markets and a lot of success. And also I, I was in it, 07, 08, uh, lost it all like many people and learn to start over. So that's been some of my leadership journey. I'm hearing a lot of uh, learning from failure and, and getting in the position where you're trying to learn and, and learn from those mistakes, learn from those failures. It's just something that just I hear recurring when I interview leaders in, the, in this industry. But let's get started with your chapter. You wrote about leadership. I mean, of course, it's the Voices for Leadership book, and that's your title. So you did good with that. What are some, well, first of all, how many uh, team members are in your organization? I wanted to cover that so people get the context. Yeah, right at 5,000 team members now and did a little bit over $100 billion in mortgage originations last year. So I think you have the qualifications to lead. Uh, so let's talk about some techniques you use to develop leaders in this organization and, and outside, because I know you're doing stuff outside the organization as well. For me, it, it started with a vision. You know, I think a lot of us, we, we jump to like, what do I need to do? Like, and we think about tasks because we're all task-based or what's the next step I need to do. And I took a step back a few years ago and I realized there was this void and there was a gap that existed in leadership and there were not intentional structures. There weren't intentionality around how do we develop leaders? We typically promoted the best producer. Well, the best producer may not be the best leader whatsoever. They may not be qualified at all. They may be qualified over here. And now I've derailed their career and promoted them into a spot where people talk about the right seat on the team, right seat on the bus, however you want to phrase it. 
And we developed a vision that's really pulled us forward. And that is leaders that created the leaders that created the leaders. That's what we wanted to do. And to create them, for me, I use that word intentionally of, I think leaders are not born. They are made through hammering, sharpening the saw, you know, all these things create leaders. And leaders, in my opinion, have gone through the tough times. If you're a leader, imagine you're, you're a leader of a military and you only dealt in peacetime. What happens when you go to war? You're probably not equipped. You don't know how to deal with things that move at a different pace and what's happening there. And so that's been our philosophy. And we've brought people in. We've been very intentional building our organization. We've promoted a lot from within. Because if someone does well there and they buy in and they believe what we believe, I've found it easier to then move them into a larger leadership capacity and then give them more responsibility and lead more people. Then they know their jobs to create the next group of leaders. Brian, I like that. The fact that you create a vision that's not task-based, but it's a mission statement and, and people understanding that. In fact, when I work with corporations and try to get them to develop a vision statement, I'm like, this is what we're gonna point people back to when they get off course. And so it's so important. I see Wes Doves on with us today. And Wes and I had this conversation last week about how some people don't have experience. They just flat don't have, and you can't train experience. You have to experience experience. You have to go through some of those hard times. So we talked about that, you know, how you're using these techniques to develop these leaders and point them back to the vision. With such a large workforce, how do you engage your team members without picking up the phone and calling 5,000 people? That's, that's probably the biggest challenge I face every day is who do you get to and then how often, what's the frequency and kind of the rhythm of what we do. And that's changed for us. I'll say, I'll go back to the skill that I found that helped is probably not the one you're thinking of and it's adaptability. And I use that because you know, I grew up, I played professional sports and soccer and all that. The best players when I was around, when you move from college to professional, what I noticed is the best players in the game adapted to what the game was giving them and took that power back. Meaning if you're facing someone that's faster than you, you're facing someone that's left-footed versus right-footed. The coach says, hey, Brian, I need you to play left back instead of in the midfield. How do you adapt and respond to what that environment and that culture now is in this market in 2022? Look, it's very different than 2020 and 2021. And so I look at the starting point should be around adaptability. And then from there, I think you can start to move through and make decisions. So into the communication, I'll kind of take you through that. We recently adapted and we realized we need to increase the frequency at which our team was meeting. There's been a lot of things in the news. There's a lot of market news. The rate of change is happening faster than we're all experiencing. When the rate of change is happening faster, your communication should be more often. That's just a pretty easy thing. Like think about a rubber band, you can kind of pull it. When it pulls too tight, it's going to snap. And I think in this market, people can mentally break if you're not communicating with them enough. And so I use a mixture of our team call like we have today that we'll huddle up with everyone in sales, operations, support staff within our smaller unit. From there, then they'll take that call and they'll have smaller units, right? You think about, I'm a big fan of like Jocko Willink and extreme ownership, dichotomy of leadership. And you think about that, I've taken some of those strategies of the unit we want to create really small, but I start at the top and then communicate that very clearly What's everyone's role through that? So they know what they're going to take back and then don't lose sight of the importance of the one-on-ones, you know, in most any given day, I probably have at least five one-on-one touches. It could be 10 minutes. Look, I'm not trying to make this some formal, like I've shown up with an agenda and like, we're going to go through all of your performance and all. 
It can be as quick as just calling someone and checking in. Hey, Brian, how are things going? Hey, I noticed this weekend, which by the way, one of my secrets, I will tell you in scaling a larger team, I'm very active on social for about 30 to 45 minutes a day. And I'm checking up on my team because they will post things they won't tell you. They will share things and comment and do things on social that you would have never seen and they would never have shared in the workforce. Oh, and by the way, we're also not all in the office anymore. We have this hybrid world that some of us show up, some of us don't show up as much, and some love working from home. So leadership today, look, it's, it's full of challenges, but I look at it, it's full of opportunities to create the culture that you want by leading by example and just show up. That is amazing. And how you are, commu you know, communication is a tool to engage team members. Go figure, something so simple. Uh, that we could use and, and just go back to time-tested, proven principles to, to make things happen. What I do know, I, I follow you, man. I watch what you post on LinkedIn, and, and I realize that you leave yourself um, vulnerable because of all these touch points you're doing, and when you're so transparent with your team, what, 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 is, what does that gain you? And then what are also the disadvantages of being so transparent? Oh, I love this one. I recently became more clear on it. I, I will say I took the action before I really knew what maybe the potential outcomes and the benefits would have been. And, and they say that any great leader, you have to stand for something, but you really don't stand for anything. And so I took a position of, I'm going to show up with the intention of one, I'm going to share things that I'm learning, things that I believe, and that's going to attract people to our organization that are like-minded that want to be part of an organization like ours. It's also going to, in a way, communicate to team members that I don't get to speak to for a week, two weeks. Some of them I won't speak to directly. So how as a leader do you communicate with your team when there's so many and they're in different markets? I found social, people tend to engage there. And so that was my first part of doing that. The other side is what I found out is there's people that don't like what I post. They don't like that I'm vulnerable. They don't like the fact that I will take a stand on something and share things. They don't like the fact that, you know what? I'm not the person that's going to jump into the political warfare and the things that people are sharing. Those are not my lanes. I stay in my lane and I communicate what I believe and very passionately, which again, will repel some people. I think that's important for an organization of who are you for and what are you against? And when you can communicate that, socials helped me because here's, here's the interesting byproduct that no one told me would happen. By doing podcasts, by showing up and writing and working on my creative writing, by showing up, posting content and thinking through things, I became a much more critical thinker and my communication improved. Because when you show up to enough podcasts and you listen to it and you go, man, I need to improve there. Oh, they asked me that question, I bombed it. Or they asked me that question I did really well. I think the greatest leaders have a high, high degree of self-awareness and EQ. And that's one way just to get in the game and then transfer that back to your team. We hope you're enjoying today's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Build Consulting Services. Are you ready to reduce workplace conflict, reduce employee turnover, and increase your productivity? If you're ready to put Brian to work for your company, give him a call at 863-800-9658 or email him at brianb at buildcs.net. Now, back to today's episode. That is wonderful to, to understand how you're doing that and being so vulnerable and transparent at the same time. In this time of the great resignation and this quiet quitting, 
what are you doing to engage your team members and retain your team members? Well, here's what I'll, I'll share is things have changed, right? And I was talking to my coach this week about the lifetime employment and my, my first employer, you know, in corporate America, I was there 13 years and, and I'm an anomaly today. It's almost rewarded for people to change companies. And it kind of ties in the great resignation, the quiet quitting, even the quiet firing. Uh, it's kind of a, another cousin to this. And I think people are much more comfortable leaving organizations than they were before thinking the grass is greener, thinking they're going to get a promotion that's going to advance them. And then you throw in the last couple of years of we didn't have to really even, you didn't have to resign in person. Most of that was done through social media, text, maybe an email. And I think it's made people rethink. And I'm having to rethink some of my beliefs of, I thought I would go to one company and I would stay there for a long time. Well, in 21 years, I've only been at three organizations. And so what I share with people is, as we go through this, why are people leaving? And I would challenge a, we'll call it a limiting belief because I think it's a limiting belief for me and some of the leaders of, I no longer believe that people only leave organizations because of the leader. I've had people leave and there's been several other driving forces throughout this hybrid workforce, throughout compensation, throughout other things that while they weren't directly tied to the leader, they somewhat were. But I would share that because it got me to think about why are people staying with our organization? Are we providing a culture that is giving them what they're looking for? You know, by the way, it probably is a great time to check in with your team members and ask them, hey, why, why did you join and why have you stayed? Because you've had an opportunity to leave for plenty of sign-on bonus. You've had chances to leave. If you're not surveying your team, which is one thing we do, is kind of like the tool to find out, you should find out what's there. And so last part, I'll kind of put a bow around it. Why it matters for all of us is, I think we need to be open to the fact that some of this has become very culturally normal, that people can leave a job and leave another job and leave another job. And it's gotten to the point where I think it's become easy to do it. It's become easy. I think that's going to come back and hurt some people though. My, my personal belief on that is part of my success and some of those with our team that have been with me for five years, the reason why they're so successful, one of them is they're committed through the good times and the bad times and people can count on them. There's some stability and there's something about them as a leader that I'm not worried that if we got into a battle tomorrow, they're just going to pack their stuff up and leave. That's who I want. And again, I took a stand for it and that does repel some people. Because in our industry, 18 to 24 months is the normal cycle to leave. And I don't want that at our company. That's not something I'm for. Brian, I, I, I love to hear this. And keep putting a focus on the people that are staying. Hey, why are you staying? Because so much focus is on the, the people leaving. But we need to think about, and the people that are so loyal. You know what? If you're trying to give bonuses to people to come in, what about the people that have been with you for so long and done, done such a good job? I think that's a great idea. One of the things you wrote about, and this is the last question I wrote down for, for your chapter, was uh, people asking for help. Why are so many people so resistant to ask for help? And how can we help them and encourage them to do that? Uh, I'm guilty as charged, right? And, and I learned this from a mentor of mine. Um, I'll share it, David Meltzer. If you're not following him, you should. And I remember a few years ago, he was sharing this with me. And, and I did it sometimes, but I didn't do it enough and all the time. And I think what you can learn by being a little bit vulnerable and asking someone for help. One, I never put myself in the other person's shoes. So if you haven't done that exercise of think of the person, if someone came to you, you know, Brian, they said, hey, you know, I noticed you're really good at this or that. 
could you help me with this? Or like I'm struggling to post things on LinkedIn or hey, I'm struggling with people are leaving our organization. I don't know what to do. When you ask for help in a way, it's almost like, hey, I've done everything I can do. Would you be willing to help me? What I found is great leaders and great people in general, great human beings want to help other humans. And if you come with a specific ask of, hey, here's what I've tried to do, and it's just not working out for me. I reframed my brain around this to realize I actually enjoy, when people come ask for me to help them, there's a sense of, man, I would love to help you, and I want to see you win. I never put myself in the shoes of the person being asked, and that drove me down a path of starting to pay for proximity is one of the things I share quite often. It's a lesson I've learned is if I'm going to an event, I'll pay to upgrade my seat to be around A players. If I'm going to some type of conference and there's an opportunity to get a picture with the speakers or that extra VIP lunch, I pay for it now because guess what? Those are the people that have already been down the journey and are successful where I want to be successful. So if I can shorten that ramp of my learning and I can take what I've learned with what they've learned, and in a way, then you put those together, you've combined your learning. And I think it's, it's, if you're a leader, wouldn't you want to be the best leader you could possibly be for your team? Absolutely. And, and to hear that coming from a guy that's authentic and actually just recently spoke on the same stage with one of our heroes, John Maxwell. I mean, it's proving that, that what you're doing is working. And I'm just so excited about that. Uh, amazing, you know, asking for help and being uh, open to asking for help. In fact, I get a lot of questions about how did you get such quality people in your book and how do you get such quality guests in your podcast? And it's a very simple answer. I ask them. <laughs> it's just that simple. And some people ask, how do you do everything you're doing? Well, you just do it. I mean, I just can't explain it any other way. You just, just work hard and try hard and, and just keep swinging for the fences. And, and eventually you're going to get a home run or at least a line drive. So so at this point, I'm going to open up the floor. We get several people on the phone today. So let's let's ask Brian any question you've got for him about his chapter or anything else he spoke about this, this afternoon. Hey, Brian, uh, this is Enrique. Uh, thanks for being a co-author and uh, and, and being uh, on uh, Voices for Leadership. You mentioned something that uh, most military people struggle with, and it's asking for help, right? Um, it is something that's not inherent to our upbringing in the military because we're just said, hey, answer the call, get it done. Right. However, however it is, you know, don't tell me how you did it. Just do it. Right. Um, when, when you have military members come into your organization, um, how do you how do you bring them in to adopt a hey, let me get some help mentality? Uh, because I know there's a, there's a big disparity between the military sector and the uh, you know corporate sector and how you bridge those two. Yeah, that's a great question. One, because we, we do, we, we serve, I think we're the first or second largest lender to even veterans. And we do some other things with like War Heroes on Water. And we have a lot of veterans that come here or we even have spouses of active duty. And I think you're onto something there that there's a culture that exists in the military that works for the military. And I think in that setting, that's, that's what's worked. When you move into a different organization, there's a new culture. In the same way that you fell in love with, the same way you adopted that culture, what I would ask them is, I need you to adopt this culture. This is what works for us here. And you can bring in some of the things you learned there and help make our culture even better. So invite them in on the journey of what you learned over there, most people never experienced. But we also have a culture here that we believe two are stronger than one. 
Imagine trying to fight two people or a soccer match. I'm a soccer player. If you were 1v2, unless you're Messi or Ronaldo or someone fantastic, one against two, the two, if they're fairly balanced and you know competitive, the two should win against one. And that's been what we've shared is we believe team comes first. Teams win championships. Individuals typically get burned out. They have a lot of mental illness and, and struggle there because they try to do it all themselves. What I would share with them is my experience has been when I asked for help, that's when I had someone come alongside me and helped me create a breakthrough that then I could take ownership of it and lead someone else more effectively. So that, that would be the journey I'd invite them on and to bring what they've learned and their strengths, bring that into our culture and blend those two together. Thanks for that question, Rike. I want to introduce everyone to Brian Smith. I see he's on the call now and uh, we have his book, this uh, individual influence we're, we're reading through and it's an amazing best-selling Amazon book recently. Brian, welcome uh, as, a, as a volume two author. And uh, you got any questions for Brian uh, Covey today? We all have the, the spelling of Brian correctly. That's a good thing. Yeah. No, and, and thank you. This is my first Voices of Leadership program or group session I've been on. Um, I don't really have a question, though. I want to make a comment. You were talking earlier about uh, longevity and, and understanding why people leave. And as Brian knows, our organization's 26 years old. And um, we, our average length of employment is in the mid to high teens with almost a thousand employees across our entire uh, organization. And the way we do it is we focus on Maslow's hierarchy. And when people leave, we actually drill into which part of where did we fail or which part of Maslow's hi hierarchy got people to make that change. And we start to understand a little bit better why people leave and which part of that hierarchy is influencing them. And we've constantly changed and constantly looked at how our organization manages culture, using that as a foundational guideline for us. And it's really served us well across all of our areas of influence, not just for us, but also for our clients. Thanks for sharing that, Brian. That is great. So, uh, Kelvin, you got a question for Brian? I know you listened in, so maybe you got a question for your fellow uh, guest today. No, I, I love that. I was trying to take notes as fast as I could, so I need to go back and listen to the replay, but uh, yeah, great, great insights. I hope you enjoyed that sample interview from our Voices for Leadership community, and I hope you'll decide to join us at vflcommunity.com. Uh, you can get a trial offer there, $1 for one month. You'll get access to all of our pre-recorded interviews with many of our authors, and you'll also get to join the live calls where we interview these authors, and you get to ask questions. Have you ever read a book and wanted to ask the author a question? That's what we provide in the VFL community. Love for you to join us over there, vflcommunity.com. Thanks. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.